Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Analyst Inside Cricket, um, we've all recovered vaguely, I suppose, from that amazing performance at Headingley. It's a week on from that now. And, well, now is the pivotal moment, really. Having recovered England's composure, they now have the chance of actually winning the Ashes in the next two Test matches, the first of which starts on Wednesday at Old Trafford. Actually a place where they haven't got a great record against Australia. Australia quite like Old Trafford's sort of pace and also the fact in the past that it, it turned as well. Do you, do you buy the idea that England have got momentum now? I, I'm not sure I do. It's a bit of a myth, I think, the idea of, of momentum in sport. What it has given England... Heading these is an opportunity. They, they've got a chance, whereas for most of that Headingley Test match, it looks as if the Ashes were done. So that, I think, will just nibble away at Australia. If things start to go wrong at Old Trafford, then they, you know, the confidence might drain away. Steve Smith looks as if he's going to be back for Australia, played in the tour match at Derby. It's just fascinating. It's, it's great. I think the, the, the bottom line is it's great that the Ashes are still alive and there's still that excitement with two matches to go. And it, it would be fantastic, actually, if the series was decided in the last game. I mean, it'd be, you mm. know, say, for example, if Old Trafford was a draw and you know, we went to the Oval with England needing to win, Australia needing a draw or a win to, to take the Ashes. That a bit would, like that, 2005. Yeah, yeah. That, that would set it up fantastically. Yeah. Of course, Australia could just scrub that out in the next few days, couldn't they? Bat first, get runs on the board and go, go on and win the game and do what they didn't do at Headingley. Mm. Well, we'll hear in a, in a bit from uh, a coach... We've heard on this programme before, actually, Paddy Upton, who worked with Ben Stokes in the winter and also, of course, with Joffre Archer and Steve Smith, in fact, uh, for the Rajasthan Royals. We'll and he answers about... the question, is Ben Stokes a psychopath? Yes, uh, well, that's, that's one of the questions he answers, but we're going to explore whether Stokes can do this kind of thing consistently or not. But, but, but before we get to that, uh, I suppose we should just look at England's team overall mm. and, and the makeup and the changes that they've made. It sounds as if Joe Denley is going to now open the 
the batting mm. and that Jason Roy is going to drop to four, which seems sensible, though not guaranteed of any more success in a way. Poor old Joe Denley. I mean, <laughs> Push me, pull you. Well, he, he, he wasn't considered strong enough to bat at three, was he? Remember that? At the start of the series, so he was he was pushed down to four. Joe Root pushed up to number three, and um, we think that Joe Root wants to bat four. Although you know, I've heard people insist in the England hierarchy insist he does want to bat at three, but all the other evidence suggests that he doesn't. So Joe Denley go down to four, <laughs> and then now suddenly he's opening, and so he's going to get the the bombardment at the top of the order. I mean, he looks to have a pretty solid. Technique. Well, you say that. I mean, I I don't like the way he turns his back on the bouncer. Well, that's the, that's the only thing you know, that, that does worry me. Actually, ball, yeah. I, I mean, if you've got two batsmen there at the top of the order now with Rory Burns as well, who you know is a good player, but he doesn't like it short and up. He doesn't like it up him, as they say, and few people do. But some players play it better than others, yeah. and I I think there is going to be a bit of a bombardment, especially if Old Trafford is quite a, a spicy, lively pitch. Yeah, and my mind goes back to Mitchell Johnson steaming in before the 2013-14 Ashes series in a one-day international at Old Trafford, steaming in. You've just got a a little indication of what might be to come. Remember, that was the series England won 3-0, and then they were going straight off to Australia to defend them, and they played a one-day series afterwards, and that match at Old Trafford, the ball was flying around. Did Owen Morgan get hit in a one-day international Old Trafford as well? That was Mitchell Stark, yeah. He was hit by Mitchell Stark, and and that was a shocker, actually, because it just flew, and Stark, I think, well, I... If I was Australia, I'd play Stark this yeah. test because he's personally he's absolutely gagging to play, and secondly, I think he'll find some some help and some encouragement from the Old Trafford pitch. So England are going to get some hurry up this yeah. test match. Yeah, and they haven't played him so far. I think for two reasons: one was they wanted control and they feel he leaks runs in England, and the other one is you know, was he a hundred percent fit or was he fit enough to play earlier in the series? He probably said he was, but I think you know in, in the World Cup he. He was sort of, he just they sort of were managing him in the World Cup, so there may be a there may have been a slight fitness issue as well surrounding Stark, but you know wickets in the match at, at Derby, you know he must, he must absolutely raring to go, and you know they have mixed and matched their bowlers during this Ashes series. That was that was part of their planning to to do exactly that. Talking of uh, mixing and matching bowlers, so England now without Anderson who's been ruled out for the Ashes, we can come on to to what his future may be in, in due course, but. What will England do mm. in response to that? Uh, Chris Wokes just looks perhaps a little bit off colour. Uh, doesn't hasn't got quite the penetration perhaps he want he would like. So is he allowed to have a bad game though? I mean, a bats, batsman has a bad yeah. game and stays in the whole series. Of course he is. I mean, he's a very trustworthy, you know, consistent cricketer. Uh, but they might look at. I, I I just wonder whether they might look at Sam Curran, mm. who will get some skiddy sort of pace off the pitch, and he's just. I know Joe Root loves his winning kind of ethos, the fact that he just has something about him that turns games. I think he's played in eight of England's last ten victories. Well, that's before heading, actually. So he has got something about it. They want to get him in the side, don't they? They want to find a place for Sam Curran in the side. I'm pretty sure about that. But they don't, we've said it before, they don't quite know what sort of cricketer he is at the moment. They don't know what his best role is. They don't quite know what his best 
position is, is he going to become a batsman that, that he batted, bowls? He, I saw him batting number three, actually, for, for Surrey mm. in the Vitality Blast mm. the other day. And he, he's got absolutely no shortage of confidence. He yeah. comes in and just biffs the first ball back straight back over the bowler's yeah. head. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Obviously, you can't do that against the Aussies in a test match quite the same way. But he handled the, the Indian pace bowlers very comfortably and created or played some vital innings in that series. Yeah, I, I, speaking to one of the members of the England sort of hierarchy uh, during the Laws Test match and saying about the, the Australia A match down at Canterbury where the Lions played against Australia A and you know they had a top six, fairly inexperienced. Uh, and, and when Curran came in at seven, the game just went up a level. You know, compared to the, the what are supposedly your reserved top six batsmen in, in the country, but Curran came in in seven, made a half century, game went up a level. So I mean, they they he's a quality player, and perhaps once we get through the Ashes, it's time to play him most of the time, if not all the time. Mm. All roads, of course, lead to Ben Stokes. <laughs> Where does he bat, for one thing? Yeah. I mean, he, he, he seems to be able to bat anyway. I think now, on, you know, partly on the evidence of that last innings, but just generally, I think he's got the best technique in the team now. You know, he, he, that first bit of that 100 at Headingley, two runs from what his first 60-odd balls, you know, his defence was so resolute mm. and solid and compact and it was thou shalt not pass kind of defence, which even Joe Root hasn't really got. He's got all the strokes, as we've seen. He's got the ability to bat long periods. So, to me, he can bat anywhere. He could, he could certainly bat at three for England, ultimately. Whether you want to have a person of that all-round ability at number three, because obviously his bowling is also valuable and it takes a lot of energy to be a bowler, fast bowler, you need time off after that. That's why Ian Botham could never bat in the top order because you expend so much energy mm. bowling and you need to recover and, and recharge your batteries before you can go out and play a long innings. So it's going to have to be an issue where how much Stokes bowls in the future, but I think he could bat in the top three for England. The thing is, England have had so many problems with their batting order for so long, somewhere along the line they need to find a solution they need, or they need to do something different to, in, in, in the search for a solution. can't just keep on going on the, the way they have been doing. And my hunch is that actually the, these problems will persist until they find very specific solutions for the problems they've got, i.e. who is going to open perhaps one or two positions. You know, are, are there two really solid openers out there? You know, Roy Burns had a good series, but you wonder whether... He is the long-term solution, but he, there, there is a calmness about his batting that's, that's to be admired, I think. Uh, and he, you know, just because he's got an odd technique, lots of players have had odd techniques and made it work. So, you know, that is worth persevering with. But someone else to open with him, a num- the, the number three position. And there are all sorts of other you know, areas in the side as well to, to sort out. And I suppose it's about finding how do they find their balance really what you know who who plays are they going to make ruthless decisions about certain players I mean what about Johnny Bairstow do they take the gloves off him and say right you're a batsman and bring Ben Folks into the side you know there, so there are lots of problems to be sorted out at the moment the Ashes are on you can understand why they've gone with the same team as Hedony it would be fascinating actually if they'd lost to Hedony what they would have done for Old Trafford because presumably then there would have been a, a change and a look to the future because the series has gone once the Ashes are gone you you might as well change things around and and have a look at what the what the future is but i can understand why they've gone with the same lineup um 
bring up bring in a new batsman now really tough i would have thought wouldn't you yeah definitely so the thing that really stood out for me i suppose with that stokes innings was his ability to be composed under that extreme pressure and make the right selection of shot or option and he just seemed completely in that last hour and a half two hours of the game he seemed in this sort of bubble which was completely impermeable. He seemed totally in control. And some sportsmen have this unique ability to execute their skills under pressure. It's a horrible cliche. but And I, I suppose we're thinking of people like MS Dhoni, who clearly does it, this sort of cold-hearted killer almost, a ruthlessness about, about them. Novak Djokovic, I think, is is a bit like that as well. Just It seems like this, there's this sort of aura of invincibility about these people. Now, Paddy Upton, who I mentioned earlier, is a, a sports and business coach who's worked with a lot of cricket teams and other athletes. Uh, he started out, out actually as a sports and fitness coach, but then went into psychology of, of sport as well, worked with a lot of premier athletes, has worked with the Indian cricket team, has worked with a number of IPL teams. And last spring was working with the Rajasthan Royals, who of course included Ben Stokes, Joss Butler, Jofra Archer and Steve Smith. Mm. So he got very close and personal to all those players. He's written a book called The Barefoot Coach, which is reminiscences and experiences of his life in cricket and other sports and how the psychology of players affects their performance. And what I wanted to know from him really was that he equates a lot of these supreme sportsmen like the MS Donies mm. He says that they have many of them have traits of psychopaths. So their ability to perform under pressure, their detachment, their clear thinking, their cold-hearted ruthlessness. Lack of emotion. Yeah, are all sort of traits of, of psychopaths. So what I wanted to know was, does Stokes have those traits? Those qualities that, that Stokes is exhibiting now in terms of his massive confidence and self-belief his unwavering focus under pressure and not succumbing to pressure those qualities weren't present three months ago in india during a slightly different format in the tweet t20 so um where those psychopathic traits that we're talking about are generally ever present um they don't you know that someone can dial them up a little bit and dial the volume down on them a little bit but they're ever present that's unwavering belief in self doesn't change through real success and real failure. Um, it remains relatively constant. The ability to perform under pressure and have that clear thinking under pressure remains fairly con constant. What All that really makes Ben Stokes, it suggests he has less um, psychopathic traits, so to speak, and he's more normal and human like you and I, that he uh, has does feel pressure at some times and sometimes not. He has high confidence at some times and other times not. Um, he's just a, you know, like you and I, he's he's a human being. And most athletes that I've, other than the odd few out-and-out -out psychopaths, almost every athlete that I've ever worked with at the top of their game, regardless of the sport, and I've worked with, you know, athletes at the top in more than 11, of their game in more than 11 sports, all of them have insecurities. They all have doubts. They all have negative thoughts. Um, they all question themselves and question their ability. They go through um, highs and lows when it goes to, comes to things like confidence. Uh, that is just very normal for any human being to experience. And the guys who 
succeed consistently at the highest level of the game. It's not because they don't have those things. It's just that they manage those things better and are able to keep focused on the task at hand while those very normal human things are going on in the background. There's only very few athletes out there with genuine big match temperament. But clearly, he does have it, doesn't he? Because he's done it twice. It wasn't just a one-off. I mean, he did it in the World Cup final. He also did it in the Super Over after the final. And then he's done it again in this uh, this Test match. So there's something about him which seems special, even if it's not there all the time. Um, yes. What he delivered in the World Cup final and what he delivered in this last Test match undoubtedly was special and a special kind of special this innings in this in the last ashes without a doubt uh, but one could look at that and then draw conclusions on Ben Stokes's ability to perform under high pressure situations but we could also then immediately go to a T20 World Cup final when he bowled the last over defending 21 to a number 7 batsman or to Chennai Super Kings defending 18 in a 150 game to bowling to a number 7 batsman who's facing his first ball and we see that he showed that he capitulated. And, it, you know, he had a big targets to defend. He had a lot of runs. He wasn't defending seven or eight runs that bowlers of big match temperament have. So he performs under high pressure, and he's also capitulated for his team under high pressure. And, again, that just makes him normal. But it, I wouldn't put him in the category of an, an MS Dhoni who prevails almost always under those high-pressure situations. Um a somebody like a um, VBS Laxman in Test cricket who almost always prevailed, a Ricky Ponting. Um, mm. Those guys predominantly prevailed in a high-pressure situations where Ben has done unbelievably well, but he's also capitulated relatively spectacularly. And, but, but that happens in T20 cricket. Bowlers get hit for four sixes and... Consecutive balls. Perhaps, uh, and I'm sort of just extrapolating here really, but perhaps he's better in situations where he's not expected to win. Because if you think about it, in the World Cup final, it got down to 15 or four balls, which is almost impossible. And he managed to engineer a tie, although it was a bit lucky in some ways. And then in the test match, they needed 73 with one wicket left. So it was almost, well, this is a lost cause now. I might as well just have a go. And and it came off, and in the end, once it got down, sort of you know, tender win or something, then he was able to play a more normal kind of cricket. But maybe he's he's almost liberated by the impossibility of a situation. Yes, and and that that is something that is, is certainly a phenomenon when you know, and and a, an athlete is is well behind, and they're expected to lose, and then it's just to literally throw throw all the dice and throw everything in. I mean. We had a player, you know, it was a fair while ago now, but in South Africa, Lance Klusner was a classic example. When the team, when winning was in sight and he needed to just play a, a good innings at six, seven runs and over to see the, the team over the line, he, he often wouldn't succeed. But when it was impossible and you needed 25 off the last over, he really prevailed in those impossible situations. And it, I think it's because largely because the pressure wasn't really on. You know, we... That 4-3-8 game where South Africa chased down 4-3-8 against Australia, you know, quite a while ago. You know, Herschel Gibbs scored 170-odd, but when he went out to bat chasing 4-3-8, it's impossible. So it just frees you up, actually, just to, you know, there isn't really any pressure, but it 
it allows you, the game dictates that you can actually just open your shoulders and throw everything at it without too much concern for, of the consequence of losing because everyone expects it. So, yes, it actually is. It's a quite a favourable performance situation for a lot of people to be well behind. Well, I know you tried some, you know, techniques during the IPL to to try and help players cope with pressure situations. Did you find anything? Uh, what well, did you find Stokes receptive to any of that and uh, anything working with him? Um, you know, Stokes, he's, he's he's got his own way and his own approach. You know, as have most players. Um, and the, what I was looking to do was to, to bring a certain amount of calmness in high-pressure situations to players. And Stokes is one of those players who's really wired with high energy, high intensity. Um, so the sitting, being calm, being still quieting the mind to a degree seemed to work against what is preferable for him is actually getting himself really up and oversights for the situation. So, you know, the stuff that I was bringing to the team around specifically around some breathing and breath hold techniques to quieten the mind um Stokesy felt that he's actually was needing to ramp up the volume rather than ramp it down so it was just a case of it didn't he didn't really resonate with it because it didn't resonate with his natural um way of performing which is the case with most of you know mental um or psychological tools that they they work for some people and not for others and what's important is that individuals find that which works for them and he was quite clear that this didn't seem to be for him which just indicated a really good awareness of what he required to get himself into the best mental space well, that's Paddy Upton who was the head coach of the Rajasthan Royals in the last IPL and Ben Stokes didn't do very well. There was a, a one game where Mitchell Santner hit him for six off the last ball, where it was it was reminiscent of the last World T Twenty final when Stokes disappeared around the park in the last over. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it? So it's this idea that when you're the underdog, that's when it seems if someone like Ben Stokes flourishes. When you when the expectations are high, perhaps. Paddy Upton saying there, you know, it's not so easy to be MS Stoney like, not not so easy to be so ruthless. Well, right? if you're human, I mean, I think he, his point in a way was that Stokes is so human, yeah. whereas the MS Stoneys seem almost inhuman, yeah. like uh, Terminators almost, and uh, that Stokes is affected by some external circumstances. And that and that's interesting because I thought just towards the end when we're too needed, he started to take massive risks that he didn't need to take. Almost as if you know the pressure was building. He talked afterwards, didn't he? He said the last you know last twenty runs, I started to get really nervous, and you could almost see it, that thing, isn't it? Like the closer you get, almost the harder it becomes. So I, I remember I asked Alex to cook about that shot that he played. You know, why did he take it on, that that sweep off the final ball of the over? Well, you can see sort of why he took on, because it was the final ball of the over. But it was a very risky shot, I thought. I just, I just, I've watched it back many times, mainly to see whether it was out or not, just yeah. to look at the yeah. look at the DRS tracking and, and, and Lyon's angle. And from where I was watching, I couldn't, actually, I couldn't see the leg side field. So I'm, I'm not sure what was on the leg side, but to me, it looked as if the shot to play was the shot over long on or wide long on rather than the sweep shot to that delivery because it was quite a full ball. So the bunt over wide long on mm. or over mid on would have been the shot. I presume there wasn't, you know, Anyone the, the leg side field wasn't totally populated because I, I couldn't actually see from there where may I was, have been where a I was long, watching. There may have been a long right. on. In, in which case, perhaps the, 
more the slog sweep yeah. rather than the square sweep. Mm. Anyway, the point I'm making is that, you know, it really, when it push comes to shove, someone like Ben Stokes, who was played fantastically in a nice, cool manner, you know, does feel the pressure. You felt the pressure that moment. Of course, there was nearly the run out as well. From the you know from the the ball that went away on the offside from the reverse sweep. So to answer the question, Ben Stokes is not a psychopath, <laughs> which is quite a relief, really. Uh, so of course uh, Nathan Lyon's not going to get any ribbing of when, when he catches the ball cleanly in the Old Trafford Test, is he? <laughs> At the bowler's end, uh, that's going to be a, a tough game for him, I reckon. Uh, he's going to get some plenty of abuse from the the polite Lancastrian yeah. fans. He's a fabulous bowler. He's had a, he's had a wonderful career. I mean, he's been, he was taken to task a bit over some of the things he said in the past. That's the thing, isn't it? You, you say something and it comes back to haunt you a yeah. bit. I'm going to end careers and, and Matt Pryor. Uh, sort of what goes around comes, comes around. Comes around, yeah. So I saw I saw Nathan Lyon actually the, the, the day after, and he was just it was it would have been a very poignant photograph. He was sitting in the square outside the team's hotel, a little square outside the team's hotel in Leeds, just on his own. Just on his phone. I mean, in, in, I mean, everyone's on their own on their phone for a while, but it, it, it would just make such a poignant mm. photograph. The, you, the, you, you the morning I know. I, th- I thought, leave, leave him, leave him to his misery. He's had enough. He's had enough <laughs> misery over the last couple of days without someone putting an iPhone up and taking a photograph of him. Well, talking of uh, players and Old Trafford, Jimmy Anderson, of course, now missing out on the series, and would have been a, a wonderful moment for him to be playing in this fourth test, but he's failed to convince the selectors that he can get through it uh, on his home ground. Uh, bowling would be the first time he's bowled in the ashes with a stand named after him at mm. one end. Uh, probably one of the first times that's ever happened, actually. Uh, sh- so, shame for him. What does Ma- the future... Massive shame, actually. Yeah, Isn't massive it? shame. Yeah, huge. I mean, I mean, what, a... what, what's the future hold for him, though? For me, I, I think his body's telling him something. Uh, age 37, it's had enough. And I know it's only a small injury, but other things will start to go. And I sort of feel you, your pace just gradually drops. Of course, he's a master... Uh, Precision operator, you know, beautiful control of movement. But do we really want to see Jimmy Anderson, the dobber, bowling 76 miles an hour with the keeper stood up? I don't. Well, I don't think we do. I don't think he wants that either. But, but he... you know, passage, you can't stop no, time. No, you can't. Can you? you can't. You can't. But he is as fit a bowler at that age as I think I've ever seen. And he says and has or has said that he wants to continue until he's 40 so after the last ashes series he was talking about going back to australia and trying to win back the ashes again and, and i think most people thought well okay fair enough uh, we'll see how that works out that seems extremely unlikely but that is what he says he wants to do it, it may well be that you know as you, you know you say something and then gradually you start to think actually is that really what i want but We'll yeah. see. We'll, well, we'll we see on that. See. I don't. I don't think. I, I know you think that he, that should probably be it. I. I mean, he may, might make the decision for himself. I don't think that should necessarily be it from Jimmy Anderson. No, I, I'll tell you what it is though. It's not that I, I'm not trying to be heartless about this because I. I, I love Jimmy Anderson. I've, I've. In a way, he has given me as a journalist, you know, broadcaster, so much material to write about because he the way he manoeuvres batsmen and manipulates the ball is is brilliant. In the same way actually as Shane Warne was a godsend to journalists and mm. broadcasters in the previous sort of decade. Jimmy Anderson has been that that player this time. I find it the way bowlers operate and you know sort of try and unsettle and unhinge batsmen 
amazingly compelling, and he's been the best person at doing that for the last 10, 15 years. Mm. But I know from experience that your bowling just used to get out for fun, yeah. suddenly pulling balls off a length that, that you used to hurry him with, or he's kind of sort of shimming up the wicket and hitting you back over your head. And you don't feel that change in your body and your bowling action and your speed, but you see the evidence of it. Yeah. I mean, I agree, I agree with that. And I think probably if, if Jimmy Anderson finds that happening, then he'll work it out for himself and say, yeah, OK, I can, I can see the evidence. But let's wait until he gets that evidence first. OK, well, certainly Jimmy's earned the right to take his time and make his own decision about that situation. And maybe he'll still produce more magic deliveries for both Lancashire and England. We're going to end now because for some odd reason, I'm still trying to seek to bowl magic deliveries, even at the age of 59. I'm off to play a match, occasional match for Millfield Cricket Club, a wandering cricket club, which is really good fun, and they let me have an occasional bowl at about, well, 53 miles an hour, and I try and find ways of getting conjuring up wickets. Uh, it doesn't usually work, but uh, I can't stop trying to, to see if I can still get a wicket here or there. Talking of the fruitless task of bowling, I just wanted to make reference to that incredible run chase the other night at Taunton where Middlesex chased 226 to win in that Vitality Blast match to qualify for the quarterfinals for the first time for about a decade. But the run making, the hitting, was absolutely astonishing in that game. We had 450 runs in about two and a quarter hours on, incidentally, a plastic pitch, a hybrid pitch, which just provided the most beautiful bounce for batsmen to hit through the line and smash the bowlers into existence. It certainly wasn't a bowler's night, and I'm glad from that point of view that I retired a long time ago because... T20 is pretty much a bowler's nightmare. Well, we're both really looking forward to this week. Of course, the quarterfinals of the Vitality Blast start on the same day as the fourth test, which starts on Wednesday at Old Trafford. We'll be reporting back from each day of that game. And by the way, if you could review this podcast, it would really help us because we love to know what you think and the sort of subjects that we could cover. So please review this podcast on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you during the week. Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.